Hello, welcome to the fourth episode of the Chatty Fox Conversations with the 20-something with me, Melissa, a 20-something. Thank you so much if you tuned in again to listen to my newest episode. I have a good one because this is my birthday episode. Yes! Woo! Well, my birthday's actually on the 18th, and the day that you're listening is going to be the 16th. So it's in two days, but you know what? I still wanted to make this episode because, dude, I'm going to turn 26. I'm entering my late 20s. I'm, I was in my mid-20s, 25. I still counted it as my early 20s, mid-20s, but no, now, now I'm going to be 24. 26 it still hasn't hit me and i'm a little scared teenage like that's it i'm not in my early 20s anymore i'm gonna have more in common with a 28 year old than with a 21 year old (laughs) i don't know why i said that but that's i my mind just thought about that last time and i was like whoa i don't even feel like i have my shit together like a 28 year old i mean I wanted to, I was just contemplating on how I would make this episode because I, like I mentioned, I'm scared. To be honest, I think I was a little too hopeful when I turned 25. I was excited. I was like, yeah, man, 25, I'm going to change my life. Like, this is it. This is the start of my new life. And it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't bad. I had some good experiences, but I didn't realize that 25 was just, that year that I don't know if transition transitional is not the right word a transitional year but it was more like a stepping stone year like nothing happened nothing changeable happened but it I'm on my way there but yeah I wanted to do an episode about entering my late 20s um and I think the way I'm gonna format this episode is I'm gonna first briefly talk about my early 20s well i mean i already did an episode on my early 20s if you haven't listened it's episode two go listen to it now but i'm gonna briefly talk about what i'm it's gonna be upbeat i don't want to be sad <laughs> like i'm really feeling low-key i want to try to be positive and i'm gonna talk about the things i'm glad i did in my early 20s um things that i probably learned that i think are i'm glad i learned by this point going into my late 20s um maybe some things that i did in my early 20s that i definitely will not be doing in my late 20s because i am getting old and then i'm gonna end it with just like a hopeful note of what i expect in my late 20s what i hope for what i am planning on doing with my life and what i believe my new era will be about my new era, my late 20s. And uh, without further ado, let's start my favorite segment, the wine segment, and let's go off the vine. And let's introduce the wine pairing of the episode. It is called La Sonriente Wine. It's a 2022 Garnacha or Garnacha? Garnacha? I think you say garnacha, garnacha, 
I mean, anyway, it's a Spanish red wine. And the only reason why I don't know how to say it is because the sommelier I listened to, Sarah, she says garnache. Um, but I think that's the English version of it. And obviously right here it's in Spanish. So it's garnacha or garnacha. Because I don't know, Spain Spanish is different. But anyway, okay, so like I said, if you, in my last episode, if you guys were interested, it's, 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 it's exclusively at Trader Joe's and it's really cheap too. It's like $7. Um, also, sorry, just a, a disclaimer. I didn't eat that much today and I'm recording this after I opened the bottle and recorded the opening of the bottle. So my i'm already feeling it i already have one glass of wine in me and anyway so yeah the it's a garnacha or garnacha <laughs> and it's a obviously that's the type of grape and i didn't talk about this before because it's a it's a grape that i actually don't know a lot about but obviously it's grown in spain which is why i wanted to connect this to the wine lesson i'm gonna talk about later which is on wine regions um, so before, actually, let me just open it right now. Cue in the clip I already recorded. <laughs> oh shoot, I dropped some. <laughs> so yeah, that was me dropping some. An amateur move, but whatever. Let's read the bottle. The bottle says the best vineyards of, oh shoot, Calatayud. <laughs> Calatayud are situated high on the hillsides where despite the poor gravelly soil, the wines produce the finest grapes possible in this arid and desolate region. Desolate region? Only the ripest clusters are chosen, thus producing a wine of considerable depth depth and finesse 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 and finesse including intense aromas of sweet cherries and dark plums i don't know why that was so hard for me to read so yeah um i guess calatayud is a place in spain and i actually want to start including the alcohol content of each bottle so this one is 14 percent by volume so if you want to have a good time for seven bucks this one's it all right actually so obviously i recorded that already and i so when i opened it i i didn't smell it from the glass obviously because of my stupid plastic cup but from the bottle it was funny because i was like oh it smells like chocolate and then when i read the thing it said sweet cherries and dark plums so obviously that's I still need practice, but let's taste it. Even though I already tasted it already. Another thing I forgot to say in my first episode when I was introducing this segment is that when I before I smell it, I actually do that swivel motion with my cup. And that actually does help. Like it even though it looks bougie and you probably are like, that's that's extra. No, dude. The aromas actually come out. So 
overall, I rate it, rate, rate, <laughs> I rate this wine 10 out of 10. I didn't mention this either because, um, I forgot, but I picked this wine because it's affordable. It's attainable at Trader Joe's. And as the name says, I'm going to be happy in my late 20s. So today's wine lesson of the week is on wine regions. Obviously, like I said, this one's a Spanish red wine. And I don't know about you, but before I got into wine, I was like, oh, Italy and France. The only wine growing places. I need to go there, get my wine. Nowhere else. But that's not true. There's way more other countries obviously and there's actually what i'm gonna focus on a lot of wine regions here in not just california but the united states let me just list the top five countries in the world that produce wine um and obviously italy's first and then france is second but we're actually third place the united states is third place and then after it's spain and then after it's australia so those are the top five uh, wine regions of the world and it goes on actually australia surprised me i didn't think that was one of the top ones and i'm actually i'm actually listening to a podcast right now that's educating me on wines from south africa so that's pretty interesting but because the majority of my listeners obviously are from california um maybe there's some in other parts that'd be really cool if you are hit me up but for the most part, we're all from California, and I wanted to focus on wine regions in California. Or actually to be a little more broad in the Pacific Northwest and California. So all of the West Coast, basically. Um, and before I got into wine, when I thought of wine regions here in California, I only thought of Napa Valley. And of course, Napa Valley is the most famous one. It produces a lot of different grapes including the best cabernet in the world and which is why i need to go try it but i haven't yet i don't have money but anyway speaking of california california's most famous regions are mainly in the northern part obviously like napa but what i didn't know and which is actually surprising is that 90 percent of the wine produced in the united states is from california so, like I said, there's different parts, different wine regions in the United States, but 90% of the wine produced in the States are from California. Um, so that's, that's a lot, obviously. And like I said, Napa Valley is the largest and it's the most well-known. But another wine region in Northern California that's pretty famous is Sonoma Valley. And I mentioned them in my first episode because that wine was from Sonoma Valley. And they're more laid back. And I saw that they are famous from, for growing Zinfandel. And another top wine region in Northern California is Paso Robles. I also mentioned them in the first episode. Um, so I would, I would love to check those out. And they're all in Northern California. So I feel like I can definitely do some winery hopping one day. Maybe for my next birthday. Not this year, obviously, because that's in two days. But um, I would want to save up for that, for sure. And aside from California, I wanted to also talk about Washington and Oregon. So Oregon is another pretty good wine region in the United States. because, And you actually, 
before I got into wine, I wouldn't have thought of this because I feel like when I think about Oregon and Washington State, I think of rain and just cold, cloudy weather. But Oregon or that weather in Oregon is a great climate for thin-skinned grapes. And thin-skinned grapes produce like lighter wines, um, medium-bodied wines. So that's why Oregon is famous for Pinot Noir and Riesling. And actually, I didn't do a recap because I wanted to talk about this in my next episode. But I just got back from my trip to Seattle, like I mentioned before. And I wanted to test my my wine knowledge a little bit. And whenever I ordered wine from there, I tried to get that knowledge together and and just and not ask the waitress and just figure out okay i'm gonna try to pick the famous wine from that region and dude okay so the first time i went out in seattle i heard or like the the meal that we got was duck so i was like okay i remember thinking that duck pairs well with a red wine of wet red wine obviously but not a full body wine because duck is less fattier than beef so i was like okay maybe maybe a pinot noir and i i knew that pinot noir was famous in oregon so of course i asked for the pinot noir that was from oregon but what i didn't notice at the time until now when i was researching for this episode that the pinot noir i got not only was from Oregon but was from their most famous wine city in Oregon oh my god I I hope I'm saying this right but I picked it from Willamette Valley and that's actually the most popular place in Oregon to produce wine and I'll post a picture of it in the Instagram when I introduce the wine bottle for this episode or actually for the next episode Uh, Not this one, but when I post this wine sneak peek for the next episode about my Seattle trip, I'm going to post the wine I ordered. And dude, it it was spot on. I was so proud of myself. And it did taste good with the duck. So that was one good A-plus assignment for me. So yeah, like I said, Willamette Valley is in Oregon. And it's actually in between these two mountain ranges. So being, obviously it's a valley, so it's in between mountain ranges. But that actually encloses the, or I read somewhere that it, that the rainy climate that stays within that mountain range is good for the grapes that are being grown there. So yeah, that was my little spiel on Oregon. And lastly, I'm going to touch on Washington State, like where I went to recently. (laughs) And actually, before I went to my Seattle trip, I didn't realize that all or like when they're like, oh, Washington State is good for wine growing. It's not in Seattle. It's in the east side of the state and Seattle's in the west. So I wasn't near all of the famous wineries like I don't know if you guys have heard of um, Chateau St. Michel. Um, They actually have a really good Riesling. And if you like sweet wines, you're going to really like uh, Chateau St. Michel's Riesling. I recommend them. Uh, Maybe I'll have them on my podcast or I'll drink that bottle on my podcast one day. But they're really affordable as well. 
and their wineries in Washington State, but it was not anywhere near Seattle, so I didn't go. But of course, they know tourists go to Seattle, so they import their wines to Seattle. And uh, another another great great A plus moment for me. So another restaurant I went to in Seattle, um, I got duck again, <laughs> and but I was like, okay, this time. I want a wine from Washington State because I'm here, obviously. And so when I was looking at their wine list, I saw this one that stood out to me. It was a Syrah. And I was like, okay, I know Syrah is not that full-bodied like Cabernet. It's another medium-bodied red. So I ordered that one. And dude, again, I didn't notice that it said it was from Walla Walla Valley, which is in Washington State. And Walla Walla Valley is the best wine producing valley in Washington state. And they are known for, guess, guess what they're known for? Syrah. <laughs> Dude, like I, I surprised myself. I am, I should be a sommelier. I, but I don't want to take the test. <laughs> it sounds hard. But yeah, dude, I ordered that wine and it tasted good, obviously, and I didn't notice till after when I did research for this episode. I was like, wait, the Syrah I ordered was from Walla Walla Valley. Uh, it was it was good. I I recommend trying a Syrah from Washington State. And if you can, if it says Walla Walla, Walla, Walla Valley, get, get it because that one was probably my favorite one from the whole trip. So yeah, if that was my little spiel on Washington. So I hope you got something out of this little wine lesson. Um, maybe next time if you go to the store and you want to try a wine from Oregon, now you know that they're known for thin-skinned thin grapes like Pinot Noir and Riesling. Um, so if you want to try those out, just look for, it doesn't matter the brand as long as it says Pinot Noir from Oregon or it might say Willamette, Willamette Valley or maybe another part in Oregon. Um, and then if you, oh, I didn't mention this earlier, but Washington State is, um, since wines are grown on the east side of the state, their climate is more warm and hotter compared to Oregon's so their grapes are thicker so that's why um they're known for Syrah and they're also known for Cabernets as well so basically bolder wines um so if you want to go to the store and try it out look for a Syrah or a Cabernet from Washington I I recommend it so to conclude my wine segment let's cheers to that Take a sip of our wine and just take a little wine break. So we'll be right back. We're back. Okay, so wait, before before I go on to today's topic, I just want to show you that I looked up how to say garnacha and look, I was right. Garnacha. See, I should have just went with my instinct. So now you know. If you see it in the store, it's garnacha, not garnacha or garnache. It's garnacha. But anyway, now that I'm a glass and a half in, 
let's talk about this crazy entry into my late 20s. So before I do that, actually, I just want to talk about my early 20s and specifically with things that I learned and that I'm happy that I learned about. So first of all, just just briefly lessons I learned in my early 20s. One, listen to your intuition. I went through a very toxic relationship in my early 20s. And it made me realize that the intuition feeling I had was right. Don't let people gaslight you because that gaslighting is a thing and it can really manipulate you. But that's a whole other episode though. Two, don't ignore your inner traumas and try to face them. I didn't want to do therapy in my early 20s. I felt, I, I hate to say it, but when I was in my early 20s, I felt like, Therapy meant that I was weak. And I, I, I know. Now I know that that's, that's not true, obviously. And I regret saying that or thinking that. But it was true. That's why I didn't seek the resources that UCSD, that's the college I went to for my undergrad. Um, they had some resources. I, had, I didn't use them because I was like, you know what? I, I just need to focus on the now I don't need to focus on what was and that's that's not true because what was shaped who I was and influenced how I handled things and I didn't handle things well and obviously it's because of past trauma and it's important to face them and I learned that now. Three, don't rush. You have time. Be in the moment. Being present was a thing I struggled with and I'm happy that I mean, I still struggle with it now, but I'm happy that I am aware of that. And I try to remind myself when I catch myself not being present. For example, like being on my phone when someone's talking to me or honestly, I think I link everything to my phone. I feel like I'm not present when I'm on my phone, obviously. And also, I think I thought about this last time because I was doing homework and then I was like okay after homework I have to have lunch with this person and after lunch with this person I have to finish this assignment and then after this assignment I have to go to work or whatever and that mindset made me not present during the lunch with the person I was having lunch with which is an important part of life I think like you have to be present during that lunch but obviously that lunch I was thinking like okay after I have to leave at this time so I can finish my assignment in time to turn in and then after that I have to go back to work no like I'm trying to teach myself to not think like that and just be present and take it one step at a time so lessons aside now let's talk about what I'm happy about that I did in my early 20s Things that I am glad I did that got me ready for my late 20s. And I'm pretty sure you've heard this so many times in like self-help books or, you know, influencers telling you this. And I'm not an influencer. I am far from that. Please do not take my advice as Bible because it is not. It's far from that. But anyway, 
I'm just saying my experience and I'm very happy that I started a 401k in my early 20s. And I remember thinking when I was in college, like, I need to live in the moment. I can't, I don't want to save up all my money for retirement. What if I die? <laughs> and I honestly still have that mindset sometimes. I'm really scared of dying early. I don't know if people feel the same way. And I feel like that's a weird thing to think about. And I'm trying to fix that. But when I think about saving up for retirement like it's obviously a smart thing to do because when you are retired you would like that but then at the same time i'm like what if i don't make it there and i want to live in the moment so i still i i, I don't know what pushed me exactly but i did the i opened up a 401k at my current job so i was 23 when i opened my first 401k and that's a little late i think I've heard a lot of people say that you should do it like when you're 20 or 18, like right out of, or not 18. I guess whenever you start your first job that actually offers that. Um, and I didn't do that because in my first job they offered that. And I was like, mm, no, nah, I'm good. I'm good, love, enjoy. I'm going to spend my money on drinks and trips. <laughs> and I mean, I don't regret that, but... I finally sat down and I was like, okay, I should at least put some money aside. And actually, I found out that, that I, I, I didn't know that during tax season, like when you do your taxes, that that's actually a good thing if you have a 401k. I don't know exactly the logistics, but I remember when I saw my tax return, I was like, holy shit, like this is a lot of money. Or more money than last year. And she was like, yeah, it's because you opened up your 401k. She as in my tax person because I don't do my own taxes. But yeah, just some little tips for you. If you're in your early 20s and you're wondering if you should open it, I think that you should. Even if it's a little bit of contribution, anything goes a long way. I'm also glad I got to live on my own for a bit. I lived on my own for four years, but I count two years as actually living on my own because I was in an actual apartment and not on campus. And that taught me how to pay my own bills. Even if it was through Venmo, like Venmoing my roommate or whatever, that was still responsibility. And it taught me the importance, the importance of payments and whatever about living alone I also established my own knowledge on like rent value and you know for when I want to get my own home what to look out for I learned how to manage my time and duties so I can cook like dinner for myself and have like a cleaning schedule because obviously it's different if you're like renting versus owning that that whole cleaning schedule is different that's why I don't want to own a house um and yeah so it obviously helped me with my expectations about living on my own and lastly i am glad that i opened up credit cards and obviously like i'm pretty sure a lot of people opened up credit cards but the main key is that i got credit cards that had good cash back deals and i and actually i say this but i did it so late i only did it last month that's so late i imagine all of the cash back value i would have gotten out of all of my dumb purchases from my early 20s like the credit card i got 
gives me 5% back on lift purchases. Like, dude, I took so many lifts in my early 20s in college. Can you imagine if I had this freaking credit card since I was 21 and I barely got it last month? So please, if you're in your early 20s or just, just even if you're thinking about getting a credit card, get one with good cash back value. It, I mean, I got the Chase one, the Chase Freedom Flex in specific. There's also just Chase Freedom, but they both have good cash back value. They're just a little different. But yeah, I, I wish I would have gotten it sooner, honestly, but I'm glad that I got it now than later. And one last thing. I know I said the other one was the last thing, but I just thought of one. I'm glad that I went to music festivals or just events, especially multi-day festivals. I I'm, I had a good time at those. Like, I don't know what else to say. I went to a lot of them back then. I went to FYF Fest multiple times. I went to Tropicalia Fest multiple times, Beach Goth. I even went to like single day ones that I can't remember right now. I didn't go to Coachella though. I want to go, but I'm not sure. They're just so expensive. But either way, those Mesa festivals were the best times and the highlights, I think. One of the highlights of my early 20s. Like I was so happy at them. I had so much fun picking out my outfits, who I was going to see, planning out like my schedule and how close I was going to get. I remember I got so close to SZA, dude. SZA, I love you. She's, if I had an anthem for this podcast, it would be her song 20-something. Go listen to SZA's 20-something. That is my anthem for this podcast. But yeah, I don't regret those experiences in my early 20s. And that actually transitions into my other little segment or part of this topic, which is things that I miss but I won't do again in my late 20s. And that's also multi-day festivals. Yes, like I said, I had a great time. I loved them, but I don't think I honestly don't think I can do them anymore. I don't know if that's a weird hot take or whatever, but I just I I can't do them anymore. I can't imagine just being at like, I, I think, I don't know, don't quote me on that. I might change my mind, especially with Coachella since I've never gone, but I just can't imagine doing general mission anymore. I like comfort now. I strive for VIP, but the VIP prices of those festivals don't strive for me. So that's why I've never done those, but I honestly feel the only way I would do those festivals is through VIP at least because I just can't do crowds anymore. I I at least want a place to sit, to vibe with the music. I don't want people's sweaty bodies near me anymore. And I, I just, I feel like I would enjoy it better in that kind of setting which is why I'm putting it here because I don't I think the only way I'll do a festival in general admission if it was Coachella and the lineup was good but if the lineup was even okay I don't think I would go for general admission just the prices add up too if I was to go to Coachella for VIP that that's I don't even want to think about how much that is hi hello this is sober me 
recording this on another day because I'm listening back to this episode and I don't think I'm coming off the way I want to. So let me better explain myself. Um, What I'm trying to say is that I won't do festivals the same way that I used to. And the way that I used to was just insane. I used to try to save money and I only ate once at these all-day festivals, which is crazy because I'm also drinking, you're out in the heat, you're going to get dehydrated, and water's expensive too, so I wouldn't drink that much. And on top of that, I would try to get into the front to see my favorite artists in these pits, and people are pushing, and and you know, it was fun at first, but then I had this experience where the dehydration got to me, and being in the pit really caused me to have a panic attack, so I just never did that again. And on top of the whole astral world thing, like I'm just done with like pits in general, trying to get to the front. To me, it's not worth it. Um, So if I were to go to a festival, one, the lineup has to be really good for me to pay that much. And two, I would just be chilling in the back. I don't think I would be doing crowds anymore like that. I would probably be sitting on the side, drinking my little drink and maybe leave early. (laughs) Anyway, back to your regular scheduled programming. Another thing I won't ever, I don't want to ever do is go to work hungover. Like, just, no. I don't, I don't know how I was able to do it back then. I was crazy. I literally would go out, this was in college when I was 21, 22. I would literally go out and get drunk until 4 in the morning. And I had a job that required me to open on Saturdays at 6.45 in the morning. So I would get drunk until 4 in the morning, sleep an hour (laughs) or whatever, and still go to work. Dude, I have this story. I'm not going to go much into it, but I I went to school in San Diego, obviously, and Tijuana's like right there. And I remember because before I turned 21... That was the only place to go out and drink because Tijuana, you're legal to drink and go out when you're 18, 18. So I remember this one time I went to Tijuana. Sorry, mom, if you're hearing this, but I'm safe now. I And going to Tijuana, it's not that far. It's like 30 minutes, but still like the whole drive and crossing the border and then getting to the club takes a long time. I didn't get back till seven in the morning, dude. And I had to work at nine in the morning that day. I was fucking crazy. I don't know why I did that. I can't even think. I can't even fathom the thought of going out right now and getting home drunk at midnight and then working at 8 in the morning the next day. Even that thought is making me die inside. Now lastly, what am I excited for in my late 20s? First and foremost, I'm excited to make more money. I'm in the process of looking for a new job right now. And I just feel like I'm looking for that that job. Capital T-H-A-T, that job. That just makes me happy, gives me more money than I am now. Because I'm not getting paid that much now. And also gives me vacation days dude like i believe it or not i don't get any right now and traveling is just it's just an important part of my life and having vacation days is really valuable to me 
knowing that my employer values me like that. So that's what I'm excited to get in the near future during my job search. I'm also excited for, of course, getting my master's in public health. As you guys may or may not know, I am currently in school online at UC Berkeley and I should be getting my master's in public health next year in 2023 or latest early 2024. I don't know, who knows, but either way, I'll be getting it in my late 20s and I'm really excited for that. I'm excited to go just make that accomplishment in Berkeley, go through another graduation with my family and friends there and I'm I'm just really excited for that new chapter because after that, I'm hoping more doors open, obviously. I remember that feeling when I graduated with my undergrad my bachelor's degree and being hopeful <laughs> and then being let down. So I hope it's different in my late 20s. And I, I I, honestly feel like it will be different. I have more experience under my belt. So I'm looking forward to the opportunities that are going to come my way. I'm very hopeful. And if you're in your late 20s or in your 30s, I would love it if you added on to that hopeful feeling. <laughs> Oh my god, I almost dropped my wine glass, guys. I think I should be almost done now that I'm two and a half glasses in. I also can't wait to have my own place in my late 20s. I'm I'm jotting it down. In my late 20s, I'm going to move out. I don't know when, but I can't wait to have my own space. And so I can just have my own you know, place to be me, to have my own wine cart, like my own wine display, whether that's moving out on my own or with my partner, I would love both of those. And I just am looking forward to that next chapter because I feel like that's a whole different life and responsibilities to take on. And I mean, I lived on my own already for a little bit, so I know what to expect and I do miss it at some points so I can't wait to get back to that eventually and lastly I can't wait to travel more I want to take make the most out of my late 20s because if you know if I do want to get married and have kids dude that's in like well first of all I'm like okay no I can't do it till I'm 30 but that's already in like five years or no four years oh my god four years (laughs) I'm 26 now. That's no, like I need to get it all in now. And it's funny because earlier I was like, oh, I got time. No, I want to get all my traveling done in my late 20s. I want to go to so many countries. I, I've done my fair share of traveling, but I, I want to go to parts of Southern or South America and even Africa. I haven't gone to Africa any any parts in Africa, any countries, I would love to go to South Africa to see like their wineries there. Or I would also like to go to Thailand, Asian countries. I want to go to the to islands, Japan, uh, the Philippines. I haven't even gone to Cancun yet. Um, the Bahamas, like there's just, there's countless places that I want to go. And obviously I would love to do it before I settle down. So that's what I'm excited 
to do in my late 20s as well. So I don't want to make this episode too long, but it is my birthday episode. And of course, I got drunk on my birthday episode. Actually, let's pour another one. And I just want to end this episode on a happy note. If you're drinking with me, cheers. That was me tapping my microphone. I just want to end this to say that if you're in your early 20s, don't take everything too seriously. I feel like you're just, you're young. It's okay to know that that you have time. It's okay to know, it, or it's okay to not know what you're doing. And I feel like my perspective right now has changed ever since. I was in my early 20s and I can't wait for what's to come because I know obviously it's going to be different. I know a lot of people in their late 20s who look at me and they're like, you're a baby. You got a lot to go. And I hope that's true. <laughs> I hope that there's a lot of changes coming soon because I really, I really do strive for them. I can't wait for them to come to challenge me and for me to just face them head on because as it is right now I'm going through a lot of interviews again for a new job which is very stressful but also very exciting so so I hope this whole drunk episode made sense I hope you understand too that it's because it's my birthday so I wanted this to be very formal, very informative, but I don't think it came off like that, but it's okay because you got my you got something better. You got truth out of me and what I really feel about my 26th birthday. Actually, what I really feel is scared, but I like I said in the beginning, I wanted to be happy because that's I don't want to be scared. I am scared but I don't want to be scared. And I'm trying to think of this very positively. I'm trying to think of it as like, okay, I learned this in my early 20s and this is what I'm going to do in my late 20s. And I'm thankful for what I did in my early 20s to help me get to where I want to go in my late 20s. So yeah, I hope if you're in the same boat as me, I hope that you like this episode if not i hope you find found it entertaining that i was just rambling on drunkenly unlike my other episodes my other episodes i try to stay formal and nice and not drunk but this one i couldn't do that i'm sorry but before i end this episode i do want to give a little preview of my next wine pairing for my next episode which I mentioned before it's going to be a recap of my Seattle trip and more specifically on my wine journey or knowledge in my trip um, and just my experience in general. So it's going to be a more lighthearted story time type format, I guess. <laughs> I'm not going to put a clickbait title, I promise. But the wine pairing for that episode is going to be called Adulting. <laughs> it's literally going to be called Adulting. And I'll tell you more about it in my next episode. It was nice talking to you. It was nice having a glass of wine with you, having a chat. If you're not drinking with me, it's okay. It was still nice talking to you. And I hope that you will continue to talk with me in my next episode. 
So don't forget to follow me on Instagram and Twitter at the Chatty Fox Pod, and I'll see you next week. Bye.